Welcome to the Millennial Soul Food Podcast. I'm your host, Keyonce. This is episode 25 with Dr. Kate Thomas. Enjoy. What's up, what's up, what's up? It's your girl, Keyonce, in the building. I am so excited to have on this guest, Dr. Kate Thomas. Um, she is an amazingly adept and knowledgeable um, witch, spiritual mentor, all of it. Um, but first, I kind of wanted to talk to y'all about some announcements that I have. So um, I'm teaching the second cohorts of my MSF Cyber Witch and Tarot Academy courses and that's going super well. I'm going to open up registration soon for the next cohort, the third cohort, um, and somewhere around the beginning of May to mid-May. Um, I have a lot of stuff going on towards the end of this month, so I want to keep that kind of free. So watch out for that on the next podcast episode. I can announce um, those dates more specifically. Um, if you want more information about the Cyber Witch Academy or the Tarot Academy, just go to my website, millennialsoulfood.biz and check that out. Also, I'm um, on, let me, uh, 420, I'm going to be doing a workshop on cannabis and spirituality. So we're going to deep dive deeply into, um, an exploration of this feminine planet or of this feminine plant, um, because you can't smoke or, I mean... You can smoke it, but if you don't smoke the female version of the cannabis plant, it doesn't give you the psychoactive effects. <clears throat> so I think that is worth exploring. We're also going to talk about ways that you can explore your own spiritual development through cannabis. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, how some ways it can be abused, like anything, but principally we're just going to dive very deep into um, the history of cannabis and how we interact with it as a spirit. Um, also, let me think, what else is happening? Full disclosure, your girl has been going through a breakup. A very strange turn of events happened. Um, and me and this person separated. But, but this is kind of a message for my diviners out there. If you feel like something is up, you might not know what is going to be happening in the future exactly, but always pay attention to your intuition because your intuition nine times out of 10 is not lying. It's not over exaggerating. So I'm going to just say that. Listen to your intuition. Family, listen to your intuition. That's all I'm going to say about that. And yeah, and I'm releasing the relationship with love and gratitude. I learned a lot of great lessons. I learned a lot about love. I learned a lot about pain. I learned a lot about pace. I learned a whole lot from the relationship. So with any relationship, you know, you got to take the good and the bad and you got to figure out how you're going to learn from it in the future. So I don't know. I think this full past full moon, there is a lot of testing energy with relationships and in the end your girl is here i'm happy and it's about to be summer 2021 so you know i'm trying to be out in these streets again so what's up you know um period anyway i love y'all and i hope you enjoy the show 
Oh, and I think I also forgot to mention, if I didn't already mention this, the Cannabis and Spirituality Workshop will be hosted on my Patreon. So that is patreon.com slash millennial soul food. Go there, sign up. There's also a lot of other material. There's many courses and you'll also get access to the previous live streams that I've done. So there's so much content on there. So go and support your girl. It's very simple. And I hope you enjoy the show. So I just want to introduce um, Dr. Kate Thomas, um, the women's spiritual empowerment mentor, psychic ritualist, um, featured in Vogue magazine, and The Independent. Welcome to the show. You are so excited to be here. This is literally the highlight of my week. Um, oh my God. Month, year. What am I saying? Week. It's the highlight. Yes. Of my year. Can I say fuck? Oh, you can say everything you want to. Yes. This isn't going to be monetized on YouTube or nothing. I'm not putting this on YouTube either, but uh, this isn't monetized or nothing like that. You know, you can say everything you want to. Um, I actually work with Kate on um, social media. So I run um, her account for Ouroboros Limited Editions. We'll talk about that later. But um, yeah, and also just you're a friend. But um, yeah, I think I, I did a workshop with you first. And then um, it was on intersections of spirituality and um social justice it was really great um I found, I found you on social media i was looking for keon that was a cool story actually how i found you what? He, yeah i told you at the time i think you were just like who's this crazy white lady no i wasn't <laughs> <laughs> i was like just legit i would feel the same um yeah i i was looking i i just had this like super strong um guidance, I guess that's the best way of putting it, that I needed to find somebody that would be able to talk with authority about social justice, spiritual practice, and that that intersection. And so I was, you know, everything's through Instagram. I live on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I was scrolling through Instagram, and I don't know how I came across your page, but I saw one of your reels, and I was like, I love this person. Who is this person? I, I I love them. And then I send you this gushing message being like, oh my God, I think you're exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> and um, yeah, but it was it was very cool because then when we had that first look, sorry, I've already I've taken over. I'm sorry. No, this, <laughs> I want you to talk. Just say everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everything. Because what I remember is the first Zoom that we had, you were like, I have that book, and you pointed out we had a collection of like super obscure, weird ass spiritual bonded over that and that was very meaningful to me and um and yeah and so then i you you came and did an amazing workshop one of the most popular workshops in my mentorship spiritual life really yeah yeah how are you surprised they love you (laughs) everyone everyone of course loves keon um yeah so that's how our relationship began and it yes i also i love the workshop because like at the end it's fun to just spill tea and talk about what i'm going through also because um i like it because it's an intimate setting on zoom and then um yeah they were just so cool and i'm always doing some shadow work always got something to talk about as yeah i'm doing a lot of deep shadow work right now jesus anyway you're not doing it right you know if you're not doing the shadow work constantly if there's not some fucking bullshit up in your business then you're not doing spiritual life right I don't mm-hmm. think. yes 
So um, tell us about yourself. Um, I know you asked the luxury witch. <laughs> luxury witch. Although, you know what's funny is for years I had that, I had that title. I gave myself that title of the luxury witch, which I, I, I thought was really funny because it's a play obviously on luxury bitch, but mm. I reckon 45% of people get it. <laughs> so a good 55% of the time people are like, what, why, why do you call it? What you were like, like what's this? Oh, forget it, forget it, never mind. Um, but yeah, I, call, I called myself the luxury witch for a while because I'm a Taurian I'm the sort of strongest expression of Taurian energy that I think I've ever encountered. I'm not saying that's a good thing, um, but you know, I like my luxuries. Mm -hmm. I, I believe fundamentally in like luxurious way of living as it should be a fucking entitlement for everyone. Um, exactly. And this is, and you're also a critique, you also critique capitalism too. So um, that's like the way, yeah, just keep going. Yeah, yeah, that's so so important, isn't it? Especially, yeah, thank you. Because um, I think- luxury that, can be anti-capitalist too. Absolutely, luxury can and is intrinsically, I think, actually anti-capitalist. Mm. And I do think that this, it, it, it's integral, like integral to luxury is anti-capitalism because capitalism has got nothing to do with luxury. Capitalism is about mm. exploitation. Capitalism, anyway, we can talk about capitalism until the fucking cows come home, but, that was not the question you asked me, but um, no. <laughs> sorry, this happens. I, um, what was I saying? Yes, so I was called the, I called myself the luxury witch and it, it sort of brought me a bunch of like clients who didn't get that I was trying to be funny. And anyway, it's fine. I don't, I try not to use it so much. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, am, I am a witch, I guess that's the key thing. I like luxury and I'm a witch, but yes. Yeah. So now my work is focused on my my 12 month mentorship. So I run a 12 month spiritual mentorship for women and non-binary people, but mm. primarily for women um, and focused on really people that are ready to do the hard work in mm. a, I was going to say in a joyful way. That sounds like it's impossible. People that in are- supportive have, way, yeah. In a supportive way, exactly. Like, that ask people, women that are self-aware, that are critical of, you know, the various states of oppression that exist, that are aware of them for a start and that are actively anti-oppression. So that's that's really the, the spiritual life upgrade. So I teach women how to connect to spiritual guidance, um, it, their own spiritual guidance and reprogram the narratives, the stories that mm. culture capitalism you know all the rest of it has been has, has, has programmed them with and teach them how to really recreate you know create a life that they they are excited about that they feel in love with um and you and have a whole ass app so a whole that's a whole ass app so that's <laughs> i'm on the app y'all that that the got my life good. together with the money magic which we're going to do an ig live on that next week but um yeah also oh yeah i have to get your photo and stuff like that but yeah um the money magic your modules are really great i think that's really cool because um there's like a lot of recorded um, material in there and it's just material that you can go over and ruminate over um and your videos are really cool like shot really well and i, I like that you like curse oh. stuff too because it makes it more relatable you know 
Uh, <laughs> uh, saying my videos are well shot, I'm like, fuck, I wrote, I, I, I don't know if they are. The thing, the thing is, is that they're real. Everything is very real. I can't bear this like over-polished kind of anything that's bullshit. I just have such a high bullshit sensitivity. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, you're talking about the spiritual money upgrade, which is my, um, thank you, Keon, is such a great uh, plug for my- I am a marketer, so you know. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, I, ha I, I have, a, in fact, today I am launching another program, which I am so much more, even more excited about, which I'll tell you about, it's all to do with boundaries. Um, yes, um, but the money program, yes. So I created the spiritual money upgrade um, about a year, maybe two years ago now. And that really is a, a compilation of the key spiritual tenants, I guess, that have allowed me to totally change my relationship to money. Because I think like most of us, we're, we're brought up to think that money is not for us. At least if we're not cis white men, we're brought up that money is not for us. Mm -hmm. And that's some fucking bullshit. And I'm here for just totally dismantling that. And, and, and I think money has been so associated with capitalism for so long, you know, talking about capitalism, I mean, it does run through all of my work, like active anti-capitalism, because capitalism is, I believe, the absolute root of every other fucking like, oppression. And it is economic. The yeah. root, yeah. Well, you can keep everyone poor, and so then we can't. That's fight energy. Back. Mm -mm. Exactly. I, I mean, like the way that you say, like, whenever you're, you talk about how, like, with more money, it like gives you the ability to live as your authentic self um if that makes right. sense it gives you the space money to it's like virginia totally. wolf and the, the oh what is it a room to her own or something yeah 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 absolutely like the more money the, I, one of the mantras one of the affirmations that i i uh, received i got i guess um is that the more the more money i have the more kind and authentic i can afford to be mm. and if you think about it it's just true isn't it which means yeah. that rich people that are I was going to say the C word, rich people that are even in America, about it, isn't it? Uh, here in, in, in England, we say the C word all the time. It's no big deal. Like, <laughs> and if you say that here, people are like, oh, clutch I know, my it's like, it's, it's oh, oh But God. it makes it even worse when you find rich people that are real motherfuckers, because you're like, you can afford to be kind. Mm -hmm. and you're, You can afford to act in integrity and with authenticity. And you're fucking not. So that makes mm -hmm. you 10 times of a piece of a shit than someone that hasn't got any money. I'm sorry, I, you know, like, so that's what I think. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> but we can talk about all that more on the IG, because um, I love talking about money with you. Um, but anyway, I wanted to kind of get your take on what's happening in the Queen's Court, mm -hmm. what's happening in the, over there in the UK, because, you know, Harry and Meghan are over here, because you know, there is some racism going on and a lot of, you know, this is <laughs> fuck's sake. Ooh. I mean, okay, so first thing is, I'm just very acutely aware that like, I am not the voice of, you know, to be speaking about this as a white woman, but- Of course, yeah. At, at the same time, I had all, all this whole conversation with um, my friend Sabi, who's amazing. You, you should check out her IG live on this, the um, yeah. three who do this amazing um and she called it and this morning we were talking about how basically 
this is my perspective. I think it is not fucking surprising oh. that Megan received received was on the receiving end of racism. Are you fucking kidding me? Do you know who this family yeah. is? Do you know what we're talking? Right. Like, what the fuck were you thinking? Like, why is everyone surprised? Right. Like this sort of absolute shock. Like everybody's really su- no, no one's fucking surprised. No one's fucking surprised, other than you know, absolutely out of touch, privileged, racist white people. They're surprised. Are they even surprised? They're maybe feigning surprise. Yeah. <laughs> How can you fucking live in this world? And 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 I I just I have words fail me. But um, what I what I think is. I mean, I think it's good <laughs> what, what is happening, but I also think it's not very fucking surprising. And I feel like Megan deserves all the support that she can get. What, who she really needs the support from though, are, are white people. Why? Because that's the community that she's been so keen to, you know, get up all in. Mm-hmm. And it is, I think, really problematic that like who who you know all you know anyway i'm gonna um i'm I'm trying to be like she deserves everyone's support and protection do i think that that's going to be enough to protect her no i don't Mm -hmm. i think that you know what happened to her was awful absolutely 100 percent. but i think that marrying into an institution like the royal family the british royal family they're what they are not just what they stand mm-hmm. for who they are like does she know who she married does did, did she, mm-hmm. she call out all over the world literally I, have body parts brought from all just, over the world just to how it's like what yeah, yeah but she was fine with that she was fine with that up until she was like i said to i said this to sabi this morning i was like she was fine with them being them until they were them to her mm-hmm you know exactly yeah and I just think that's really problematic but the bigger problem is not how megan behaved like people are gonna like her or support her or whatever and you know she deserves support she should be protected end of but the bigger problem is why have we got this well we know the answer it's not it's not it's a rhetorical question we have this horrific institution in the heart of british culture absolutely toxic like the epitome of racist colonial mm-hmm. murder and violence and people on the street that I fucking live on think that they are like to be protected above all else like this mm. concept of the royal family and the you know anyway I mean it's been very interesting because my my spouse Ames is American mm. and they are like when they first moved over here, they didn't even know who Prince Charles was. And and to, oh. to Richard Nelson, that is, they will deny that, by the way. They will, they will deny that. Um, oh. <laughs> British person, that's like inconceivable. I mean, we might be, you know, <laughs> the, 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 we might be extremely anti-royalist, but we will still know who they are all. all in. I mean, I can list them all, um, you know, every one of them. I'm not saying I'm proud of it, but it's very, very unusual to come across. Not nationalism, yeah. Yeah, but Ames doesn't didn't even didn't know who they really were and had a concept of the royal family that was just like so more like oh have you ever seen those Netflix movies A Christmas Prince? Mm-hmm. I love those movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> I fucking love them. That's 
Christmas, my ideal Christmas viewing. But the reason that they're so, I love them uh, is because they're so problematic and so awful. And they paint this very, very, very sanitized version of like European royalty, which is just mm -hmm. like super rich people. They're just super rich people that are classy. Like that's the, uh, you know, forgive me. <laughs> yeah. That's the American view of like the royal family though. I think it's just like <laughs> the super rich that are super educated and speak with a posh accent. Mm -hmm. Yes, but exactly. Actually, all European monarchy, but the British, you know, royal family themselves, are they are, if there was a, a personification of evil, if if there was a history Ooh. of true evil, you're looking at them. Like, that's where everything that they own, quote, everything that's in their fucking palaces is stolen. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, you know, taken off the backs of murdered people. Anyway, mm -hmm. no, I can go on about it. But so it's really always so shocking to even have even a small knowledge about the history of the monarchy as a British person to see, you know, like my highly educated, intelligent spouse who's American be like, I mean, they know all about it, the the background, because they're they've got good politics. Obviously, there wouldn't be my spouse; I wouldn't be theirs. But um, yeah. they still like had this idea that I don't know that that didn't really understand how ingrained this royalism and this monarchy is like mm -hmm. into British culture. It's fucking the it's the it's the weave of the fabric of the culture. It's mm -hmm. so I, I saw know. where you posted on. Um, I think it was Instagram. It was this like um, thing of like these two kids. One of them was like littering and the other one wasn't, or they were like feeding something or like, and it was like, which one is pleasing the queen? And we could check like the one where they weren't, where they weren't throwing trash on the ground. So it's like, so we're doing that to please the queen and not cause it's good for the earth. Like, you know. That was a photograph of a brownie. So, so you know, he have the girl guides. So yeah. the girl guide, it was like a, so you've got like, I don't know what the beginning, the, uh, the young ones are. So before girl guides, you've got brownies. The brownies were the um, little, like, I don't know, I think you're age six to 10, you're in brownies. Mm -hmm. And it's the, it's the handbook. It's the little handbook. So like six-year-old Kate had to tick this, like, which of these is serving the queen? And like you say, you know, it was a picture of like throwing trash on the floor or feeding birds. And I was like, Oh my gosh, the feeding birds? Like, what the fuck? Which just shows how it's so fucking indoctrinated. Like, I mean, I'm not young, but I'm not, like that was, that was in the late 70s, you know? Mm -hmm. That was the late 70s, early 80s, so. And the one that wasn't the deviant was dressed like a very femme mm -hmm. girl. And then the other one was dressed like a tomboy, sort of. So yeah, there are yeah. some gender and I feel like implications there too oh gender for sure it's all just a fucking mess it really is like we live like Britain is such a hell I mean I don't know where a country is in a fucking hell hole at the moment but like oh right now it just sometimes I feel like I'm sitting in a you'll know this sitting in, a, in the midst of a country filled with like not only not smart people which is really not people's fault necessarily but like evil people how can people anyway you know i feel like over there it's like it's well I, I don't have a concept of what it's like to grow up there but it's like it's way more ingrained i guess like in the culture like classism is whereas here there's like a kind of like mirage that 
classism doesn't exist and it feels very like tv show like game show like you know like oh come get the american dream you can make money everywhere here you know it's like and then there it's more like you know it's like ingrained in like accents and stuff like that um whereas here we do like you know i sound southern but there's a i guess not to sound like you know i'm, I'm the smartest ever but i have more of a genteel southern accent you know so you know we hit we it's different but over there you know i think it's like if a certain accent is just difficult to move up period definitely, definitely. And, and and the interesting thing is that i didn't grow up in 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 britain i grew up in southeast asia my neither of my parents are, are well they are both british but like they're both immigrants so i'm the daughter of two immigrants so i came to you know back from southeast asia when i was 11 and so all of the indoctrination, all of the socialization I had was as a child of the colonies, really. So it was almost oh, wow. bubbled down. So this idea of, you know, the, the the queen as the as the head of state was really even more strong, not living in, in England. So that when I came to England, I mean I was born I was born in England and then we immediately moved out. Um, so when I came back when I was 10, 11, you know, this, I, I had a very unusual concept of what British culture was. I didn't really know what it was. I just knew that certain accents got treated better than people, than girls with other accents. Mm. And I had a really unusual accent because neither of my parents are native English speakers. So my accent, and I, you know, and I'd grown up in a totally other country. So my, although we spoke English, it was a very... I mean, any immigrant, child of immigrants will know what this is like. You, you're like, shit, I better work out how to speak this fucking language in a way that doesn't identify me as any more of a outsider or mm-hmm. whatever. So the accent that I have now, it, it, nobody else in my family has. And mm-hmm. nobody else I grew up with had, and, it, and it, it is absolutely a result of classism. I worked out really early um, mm-hmm. how to speak so that I, got in less trouble Mm, that makes sense that makes total sense um well speaking of your childhood what is your uh religious or spiritual background did you grow up religious or spiritual um what's your family like and so um my family is a fucking mess i have absolutely like no contact with any of them through my personal choice um so my parents were both brought up religiously and so Mm. and uh, yeah rejected vehemently and so we were my brother and I were brought up as that religion and spiritual practice spirituality was was bad like straight up bad but also it was ridiculed so it was considered to be you know like foolish or naive or you know like like that really patronizing way in which people dismiss well anything by by you know just ridiculing it so as a as a young child though I had a whole collection constantly a whole collection of very powerful mystical experiences spiritual experiences religious experiences one could say and I had no idea what they were or how to locate them or what to describe them as and what the fuck to do with them like I you know how how would I know and and so I would see I would see all sorts of visions but I didn't I mean, I had absolutely no structure whatsoever. So I would try and tell my mother or my parents about it and they would 
just laugh at me just be, you're making up ridiculed um and and I was like no I'm not making it up and then when they realized that I was serious they they tipped into you know like laughing at me because they were obviously scared mm-hmm. you need to paint a picture of why I don't have any contact with these people but um yeah it it was really a mess but I was just constantly drawn all the time drawn to Catholic churches, specifically Catholicism. It was like super strong draw, which, mm-hmm. yeah, um, didn't, you know, I did, I, I couldn't really do very much about it as a child. And it wasn't really until I was much older, 12, 13, that I started to, you know, be able, well, I mean, bear in mind, this is pre-internet age. <laughs> <laughs> literally before the actual internet or at least before the internet was available in people's houses like I'm sure the internet existed right in the 60s but like it (laughs) no I I don't have I mean although I was in the 60s then this is this is like 84 85 86 um so I, I you know I didn't have any where to get access to information it's so difficult to imagine that now because we have access to everything so if you see you know the concept of clairvoyance the concept of psychics I had not had it until I was like 11 12 years old Mm. and then it was a vaguely terrifying idea that was painted to me as like connected to evil and bad Mm. things so I really didn't know what to do with these experiences at all like absolutely no no idea um so yes that 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 was horrible very hard I thought I was going insane but I I kept it mainly to myself and got into a habit of absolutely not telling anyone about anything that I could see, any experience I was having. You know, you protect yourself and you protect yourself very well by just keeping your fucking mouth closed. Um, mm-hmm. But that became very much more difficult. And as I got older, it became impossible. Um, and so 16, 17, it, it, it just became absolutely like overwhelming. Um, and that's when I first had my first tarot reading, uh, had my wow. first tarot reading. 16, 17, yeah. Um, I didn't, I'd never, I was too scared to even go near tarot cards. It was not something that I'd like, I, it was bad, it was evil. Um, mm-hmm. It was an amazing reading. And and then everything else is history, I guess. I became a reader myself. When did you purchase your first deck or was it given to you? Or I, I went straight out after that first um, reading and I immediately bought the same deck. And I had like no money. I'd left home when I was 15. I was like scraping around doing like really dodgy jobs, um, you know, working and doing whatever. And and so the money that I had was extremely precious. And I did had this reading and then felt this strong connection to those cards. And I still have those cards that I bought. Uh, Yeah, they're back down here. Um, And they're they're old and dog-eared and I love them. I mean, yeah, so that, that was my first opening into the the occult world and then from there I was like oh my god there were books there are <laughs> you know very few books at that, that time really expensive books like you're talking 75 pounds for a fucking copy of like Libra 2 or something like oh crazy. my god so long ago really free now. I know you can get everything for free thank mm-hmm. god you should but like this is one of the things that we've spoken about like the the access to information and knowledge, it's like, especially in the occult and, and magical worlds, it's intentionally kept away from, from anyone that's not a cis white man. Like that's mm-hmm. truly always been, I mean, certainly in the Western esoteric tradition, always been the case. 
think it's mm. very intentional. I mean, the, most of these fuckers, are, 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 you know, like John D, like what a piece of shit. Like I know he's, but he's, he's. But like, have you read his stuff? Like fucking no, hell. I haven't. Who is John D? Oh, John D. He was Queen Elizabeth's um, alchemist and, and magician, and Ooh. not just Queen. Like very, very. Uh, responsible some would say for huge parts of colonial exploitation like magically astrologically he made all these predictions yeah it's wild stuff um and like a, a very well respected magical worker in these circles or certainly the circles that i was mm -hmm. uh, beginning to be introduced into and and it was really this idea of the people that held all the power and the people that held all the knowledge were were literally like li like quite literally gross creepy old white men mm. and that was my you know that was that was who i had to engage with in any capacity whatsoever to get any knowledge mm. so i'm very up for like that changing and obviously it has changed it is changing but still it's depressing because you still see even on fucking instagram with this like new generation of people that are much younger than me there's still the fucking cis white dudes dominating gatekeeping. everything gatekeeping how mm -hmm. dare they how dare they it makes me my blood boil because so many of them i mean i sit there and i'm like okay i've been doing this for 22 years like you know, I, I, I've got to be honest, I sit and I look at some of these people that are putting themselves, claiming to be, you know, powerful, magical practitioners, and they're whatever, the, the, the basic cis white dudes, I mean, and it's like, you, oh God, it makes me so mad, it makes me so fucking angry, and I'm just like, I've got to disengage, 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 so I don't, I don't engage with them, but you know, the whole, have you seen the film Dark Song? No, yeah. I haven't. You've got to watch it. Everyone oh. should watch that film for so many reasons. Well, mainly because I have never seen a, a more accurate portrayal. I think it's called The Dark Song. A more accurate portrayal of British occult ritualists than portrayed oh. there. Like it's so accurate. And when you see the film, you'll know what I mean because Oh, is it? Um, oh, a dark song or something. Yes, a dark song. Brit Irish, British. Mm -hmm. What? You'll love the film. Didn't I give you the best film recommendation last last? The Love time? Witch. <laughs> I would like to credit take credit for that, not the film, but the recommendation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a hilarious movie. But I mean, it's also a good movie because it's like telling, it's like a warning against. Um, doing unethical magic um you can't fuck about with this shit i mean this is the thing i mean a dark song is really it's a totally different film i love it oh. for different reasons but the ending is so disappointing that's all i can say to you is like they let it go so bad with the ending i was so like ah uh, we need to do another we need to do a follow-up podcast because i want us to talk about the ending let's do a the review <laughs> Uh, I'm looking at this. This totally is depressing. using the book of Abra, um, Abramelin. How do you say that? Abramelin. The book of Abramelin to summon her guardian angel. That's already. It's right up your street. Some real shit. This is up some. This is some. This is. I'm telling you. Um, but I, why I like that portrayal so so much was, is is very accurate in so many ways. But particularly because the characterization of the 
the main occultist, so I'm not gonna, no spoilers or anything, apart from the, the ending is fucking disappointing. Mm. Um, the main the main character is um, this, you know, scruffy, unwashed, kind of long bearded, gruff, cis white dude who is mm. apparently one of the most powerful magicians in like, oh. the West. <sighs> I know, like I'm vomiting. Um, but what's funny is that like these dudes literally exist that consider themselves to be this that others consider to be this and they literally are like him which is to say like you know i'm not saying social skills are super important but they're like kind of beneficial i guess um you know none of those uh and just just basically being a a a c word and um (laughs) that, (laughs) that film was so triggering for me because I was like I have spent years of my life battling through men like him men like him and I'm over it and this is why I have like absolutely nothing to do now with any sort of you know um yeah I I don't the only group work that I do is I lead my own groups like I'm not I'm not ever entering into any sort of magical engagement with any cis white dude ever again are men ever again oh yeah because i think you said you've had some um you've had well you've been in in the game for a minute so you um probably have i guess some um pretty interesting stories are there any that you care to share with us i think without going into like traumatic re-traumatizing detail um i think one, one 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 of the things that still you know when you like you 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 get to a certain point in your life and you look back and you're like how why how did that happen why did you do that what the fuck mm-hmm. do you think i have a lot of those moments and for me i was in this sort of super abusive relationship with from the age of 14 to 22 i think 21 22 uh, i can't do the maths um with with a cis white dude who was 19 years older than me Right. And yeah. And the ways in which I was groomed as a 14 year old, as a child Mm -hmm. to be in that relationship mirror exactly the ways in which people, not just young women, mainly actually not young women in my, in my experience that I was one of the only women that was ever in these groups, but mirrors the way in which these older Usually there are men in their thirties or forties. Fucking hell. Anyway, um, people to like, you know, seduce people with promises of like power. What do people? What do dickheads want more than anything? They want more power, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as a as a you know super not doing too well on the mental health front, fourteen year old abused girl didn't really want power. I just wanted to not feel so powerless mm-hmm. and I absolutely used that to and also I was like getting all of this crazy shit happening to me all the time I just wanted somebody who knew what it was mm-hmm. tell me how to manage it and I got to be fair you know like that that I did you know wasn't all bad I did learn a, hu- a huge huge amount mm-hmm. um but you know you have to adapt what you'll le- what you learn and make it work for you and th- that mm-hmm. took a while um so yes i mean i think just be very all i would say is if anyone that's just sort of starting out interested in in exploring occult groups esoteric stuff um specifically occult 
initiations, ritual, magic groups or, or, or groups that require initiations, do not leave your critical um, engagement at the door. Just don't do that. You can, you can, you know, it, it is absolutely possible to have deeply meaningful transformative spiritual experience without being humiliated, without being um, made to feel like you're unsafe. And in fact, you know, humiliation and um, not being safe are true barriers to actual most powerful magical work. So if there's ever any weird power dynamics that you're feeling, run away and mm -hmm. find a better group of people to access the same power. Yeah, were you ever like a solitary witch? Not really, so, I guess, sort of. Yes, no, yeah, I, what happened is after I, I went, I, I went through various initiations of different esoteric groups in the Western esoteric tradition, in mainly in Glastonbury. So this is where I was when I had that first reading and then I ended up moving there and living there for seven years. Wow. And every single group that I was involved in at a, I reached a certain point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like there was something awful about them. I mean, mm -hmm. one could say maybe the problem with me, <laughs> um, but I prefer not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so, yeah, I left. I just kept on like, but the sad thing is I was always looking, I was always looking for, for a group of a supportive community. Um, and in the end, I, you know, I just couldn't find it. So I, I practiced as a solitary witch, primarily like almost entirely in fact for, for for years and years and years yeah mm -hmm. I was I was a solitary witch quote-unquote um for I guess maybe seven to eight years I was like um yeah throughout college and then after college um because I mean I I mean I grew up I mean I was born the year the internet was created but I am um I guess my occult background was um I guess from books. So like I, I would just order a lot of books on Amazon, but there wasn't anything on social media really about um, being a witch as far as um, like mainstream stuff. So yeah, um, those are really good pointers because a lot of times, especially women get taken advantage of in um, a lot of spiritual traditions. And um, there's like, yeah, just a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of sexual manipulation and binding too. Um, yeah. So definitely I tell people look out for that kind of stuff and it's predators are still on Instagram also. So just because it's like an IG community or a web community doesn't mean that there aren't still predatorial figures. Um, so what can you describe a little bit about Glastonbury? There's like a lot of um, my audiences from the US. So I know I, what I know about Glastonbury is that Beyonce was the one of the first, like I think black women or something to perform there. <laughs> that performance. Oh my God. I feel like whenever you described Glastonbury to me, I was like, I know she probably did some kind of channeling ritual or something for the energy. Cause even at one point I could swear I saw her face morph. Like, you know how you see spirits on people and you're like, what in the world? She was channeling like just a lot of like fire femme energy. Like I'm here to destroy this whole shit with my whole performance. Well, you know, you know Beyonce. <laughs> she's doing with that um yes so so yes i mean glastonbury so the glass glastonbury festival is the thing that most people have they know you know that glastonbury is famous for is this huge music festival which actually is 
about five miles outside of the town itself. But the town of Glastonbury itself is this is this pretty small, quite rural um, town, ancient town that sits in the middle of incredibly sacred landscape. And the town itself, way before the music festival, was a site of um, pilgrimage for, for literally thousands of years. There's stone circles, there's wow. Neolithic monuments, there's the, the Glastonbury oh, Tor, amazing, like, um, uh, hit natural hill. Well, they think it's, some people say it's natural, some people say that it was built. Anyway, it's this huge, really big grass hill with a, um, a church tower on the top of them at, at the moment currently i mean it's like 500 years old this church tower um but it it, it is this place where do you know you know about ley lines like yeah. Uh, yeah so so there are so many ley lines that cross glastonbury and oh. the mary and the michael line are two of the most important significant um ley lines in the british isles and they both cross on the tour and then again wow. um, other in the abbey in glastonbury so glastonbury is this very sacred landscape it's incredibly beautiful it's extremely green just think of green rolling hills and then mm -hmm. these very ancient british stone you know buildings there's an, a very old abbey there anyway it is the center in in england of spiritual of spirituality it's considered to be the heart chakra of the of the you know land um, and there is a huge amount of new age bullshit, right? So like, <laughs> uh, all of, like we're talking about on Instagram, you've got to have discernment, right? There are some people that you just think what, like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? This is some fucking bullshit. Well, Glastonbury is like the bullshit headquarters as well as the incredible, true, authentic, powerful spirit. You know how it is. It's like any power, any energy, it draws in good and bad power and energy is not good or bad it is just and so it, it just is and so Glastonbury is just like that you know I I lived there for seven years which seems insane to me now um because I could I go back every so often so one of my dearest friends has a um a, 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 a house a flat there like a holiday vacation as you say in American, um, <laughs> a vacation apartment, a holiday flat, we say, um, in, in Glastonbury. And so Ames and I go there very, very regularly. And I love it, but I can only last two, three days maximum because the energies of that place are so intense. Like, wow. we've got, we're gonna, we, we've got to go. We've Let's gotta, go. We've yeah, so oh, I lived there for seven yeah. years, and it's like there's more tarot readers and psychics, more crystal shops, more esoteric bookshops there than anywhere else in, I think, ever, ever in the world. Like, I literally think wow. that's true. Like, every other shop in Glastonbury is a crystal shop or a tarot reader. So that's where I started myself as a, as a reader and where I became so successful. But it, but it was. Yeah, I, I was. Was it like to kind of, what was it like? Was it pretty competitive or just pretty yeah. community? Most, yeah. Oh, it was wow. not competitive. Like, oh my gosh. I, I'm, I'm, I've always just had this assumed solidarity with women and femmes. Like, I just straight up, even as a naive 17 year old, when I started, maybe it was like 18, 17 or 18, I can't remember, when I started working, you know, offering readings professionally. I mean, I was so naive. I just, I just assumed that you know, 
the nice old lady in the in the shop next door would be nice to me mm -hmm. and she would oh, she put a fucking hex on me day oh, one. Oh no ah, it was great like you know fucking wild shit glastonbury oh man that's for the memoir but yeah yes. don't live oh anymore. my god that's super interesting i mean people think new orleans too it's like everyone's like ha 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 but it's like girl you better watch out this watch thing. where you're walking so much i think it must be i've not been to new orleans but i can imagine that it is extremely similar you know like it's all mm -hmm. i mean maybe it's not I, in in that sense of you know people go to glastonbury because they they're they're drawn to the spiritual energies and and to spiritual practice and that's great but you oh, there's a lot of, i think that maybe the difference is in 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 glastonbury there's a hell of a lot of love and light bullshit Oh, Love and right. bullshit is everywhere, everywhere. And, what? And oh, huh. Yeah, here it's kind of like there's a lot of death. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of just like dead people, energy, dead everywhere. Because right. it was it's a uh, was a port, and a lot of mm -hmm. cultures um, coexisted here. Well, not coexisted, but uh, were yeah. here together. Um, yeah, but we I got to make a trip. Um, I would love to see Glastonbury and see feel the energy and stuff and you got to come to New Orleans. Um, so then so you, I know you lived in New York for a bit. What were you doing whenever you lived in New York? So I moved to, so I'd worked in New York. I was coming to New York every three, four months for work. So I, I had, I worked uh, by that stage. I had built up a business as a psychic um, with a lot of New York clients. So every four months I would come to New York just to do readings um, wow. and see clients face to face and then come back. And so at the time, oh, I would, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it sounds so great, doesn't it? But like, oh, God, I wasn't <laughs> ready for tired as shit. Oh my God, exactly. Oh. So tired. And also, you know how expensive New York is, no matter how much I was charging, I would still come home with like 10 pounds. You know, oh I'd, my God. It was, it was not, but I loved it because I loved New York and I loved the glamour and I was, you know, working for like big corporate clients going to the headquarters of Ralph Lauren to do a tarot reading is fucking, wow. although very intimidating actually. <laughs> although now I'm not intimidated, but like when <laughs> I, was that, I was like, like terrified. These like models who, who stand behind the podiums like at every level of Ralph Lauren to let you in or not. And they just look at you and you've got to show four forms of ID and they're judging you through their like tiny little, like whatever. Wow. Um, I don't miss that. But um, so I was going to New York really regularly. And at the time I was living where I live now in, in, in England. And I thought, God, I gotta, I gotta find a relation. I gotta find someone in New York to have a relationship with. So I don't have to spend so much money on hotel rooms because <laughs> I a, no, I don't, you know, I stay in nice hotels. I, I, it's five star for me. I mean, yes. but um, so, I mean, truly I was spending thousands of dollars every fucking four months on these, well, they weren't even really nice. They were just, not shit but because it's like manhattan you know you're paying so much fucking money anyway so always the pragmatist i was thinking okay i mean i was married we were in a non-monogamous ethically non-monogamous relationships i believe strongly in ethical non-monogamy and so my husband at the time had another relationship i i was said to him i was like i i'm gonna i've got to find someone 
in New York to, to, so I'd have to be, you know, so I can stay with them. And also I thought, well, it would be nice also to just have someone to go out with rather than just dating Tinder all the time, you know. Mm -hmm. Ugh, Tinder. Although I feel like next product I'm going to be making is like how to win at Tinder psychically because I have bagged me some incredible connections on Tinder. What? And, and, and Tinder is such a powerful intuitive tool because you, you're you moving so fast. Divination, basically. Yes, it's divination. It's like yes or fucking no. But mm-hmm. you key, let me tell you, this is a free fucking tip, is oh. not hold in your head, do I want to fuck this person? That is not the question. Oh, hey, say it. Listen to say this. <laughs> do not ask that question. Open your Tinder with intention. And your intention is, depending on what you want, I want to meet someone that's going to benefit me. I want to meet somebody who's going to enrich my life. And then you're not looking at their fucking ugly faces. You're looking at them with fresh eyes. And those fresh eyes are, are they going to benefit me or not? And then you swipe left or you swipe right. And then you look at your matches afterwards and you start engaging in a basic ask conversation like super basic but like don't start with the fucking high just be like get to it and get to a meeting asap mm-hmm. and i'm telling you there is gold to be mined i have met some of the most incredibly powerful valuable significant friends business contacts um like sugar daddies like tinder wow. like i met Anyway, this is for off, off, offline, Keon. Okay. I, 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 I met like extremely like billionaires, billionaires who wow. we never had sex. We would just go wherever I wanted, whichever restaurant in the Lamborghini. He would drive. We would go. I would eat whatever I wanted off the menu. Wow. Talk about actually really genuinely interesting shit. And then he would drive me home. And I was like, this is the best. Wow, so, off the record for sure. I don't mind that. <laughs> it's just maybe who it is. <laughs> that is so funny because I think I wonder also that's interesting because um I like I wonder if the reason people get caught in so many loops with Tinder is because they're coming at it from that um that I guess the orientation or the mindset of like baseline, do I want to have sex with this person? Are they sexually attractive? And then that is the premise. Yeah coming with bad with bad energy i don't mean that in like you've got bad energy but i mean like you've got to come to this app as if it is any form of divination if you're doing it right you approach your phone you approach opening the app like you would approach your I Ching or your tarot cards you come with respect and you come with intention mm-hmm. if you come with any sort of like you know like think about it if you if you're coming opening the app with like low self-esteem oh. just like open the you know the tarot cards with low self-esteem well you're going to be read mm-hmm. and it'll be about that well that's exactly what will happen when you're on tinder so i'm telling you like in all seriousness it is there is a master way to master tinder as a, as a psychic or an intuitive or anyone that is just wants to be more intentional and the, and the key thing is be intentional you want to be connecting to people that will benefit you just leave mm. it at that it doesn't have to be any more don't you know Anyway, I got a lot of benefit. I'm Do it during a Venus hour. Yes, on a Friday. Yeah. Why not? Like Venus hour on a Friday. 
do get have a self-love bath like really like feel so clear and confident that of, of what you bring to the table mm. know your worth and be like who's who's going to show up to benefit me mm. and then wipe and then because you know what it's often it, it's you know let's put it this way if you don't have great self-esteem you're going to be passing up on people that you will not because they're not attractive but because you think that you might be rejected by them. Whereas mm. if you're coming to it from this like place of power and solidity and that you're not even looking to fuck, maybe you are, maybe you're looking to fuck, but like, oh my God, there's so much more than fucking available on Tinder. Mm. Wow, and, this could totally be a thing. I feel like no. we might need to do an IGTV or a webinar yeah. on this. Cause Ooh, a webinar. I know, I know. This is, like, the, this is, this this. This is bigger this than gems. I did this professionally. I was the professional Tinder oh, of, oh. Tinderer of, like the psychic Tinderer for for two months. So so at a certain point, I was doing my PhD. Do not recommend uh, one out of ten. <laughs> uh, and I was very fucking poor and making money any way that I could. And so one of these guys that I met on Tinder. Um, and had absolutely zero sexual chemistry with is a good friend of mine to this day paid me 1000 pounds a month which by the way to me then was you might as well have given me a million pounds well maybe not but like it was a lot of money um to once a week log on as him onto tinder and because tinder has this pass passport app you know location you can change its location so i would locate i would log in as him Go to his location, or actually, that's a whole. I got a lot of Tinder tips. I don't want to be. Yeah, you don't give all the secrets away now. (laughs) (laughs) Hold me back. (laughs) Anyway, he paid me money, and I would Tinder match for him, and then I would, you know, it was kind of a bit dodgy because I was like, I just don't know if I'm happy to be sending messages to these women on your behalf. He was a lazy motherfucker. Oh my god. Yeah, there's money. Look, I'm telling you, I'm the. I I I feel like. I can pull people out of nowhere through Tinder. You, you this just, could be a whole show. Oh my God, this is- Anyway, this so is so I didn't even tell you. Anyway, this is how I met uh, my now spouse. <laughs> so I was in New York looking for someone to like, you know, basically have a good time with. And I was on OkCupid, not Tinder, but uh, all sorts of dating sites are usable in this way. Um, and had that thought, who can benefit who can benefit me and I came across Ames profile and was just like just stopped dead in my tracks I cannot describe to you I know people say you know like this sort of cliche shit but I mean I have been around many blocks put it that way uh you know and uh when I encountered Ames's picture I was and their profile I was just like oh my god who is this person who is this person I felt this immediate immediate connection like I've not known ever before or since and I'm in the business of feeling connections you know like this was next level and so I messaged them and they didn't respond for two weeks (laughs) and I was like oh shit (laughs) I was like I I told myself I was like extremely attractive like they're obviously uh you know absolute fuck boy so fine no problem uh, how long have y'all been together 
Um, we've been together for, I think it's our fourth year now. We married. We, we Anyway, so we fell in love. I left my husband. I moved over to New York and lived in New York for two years. We were living. Wow. In so did you did you have any fear of commitment um, issues or anything like that at any point? Nope. Not with them. I, I No. I mean, I, I got to be honest. I mean, this is my fourth marriage. I don't really have fear of commitment issues, Keon. Oh, never mind. <laughs> again like truly I, I I you know I joke about it but also you know I, I think that this idea of marriage this idea of relationships as being like singular permanent things is the most fucked up bullshit mm. nothing is singular nothing is permanent like why what the, nothing is singular nothing is permanent exactly so, anyway so yeah that's how I was in New York and then I wow. I came back here because we just had this urgency to return. I have a collection of physical disabilities and um, mental health issues. Who amongst us does not, but like, uh, <laughs> truly now after this last year. Um, and the American health system was just doesn't exist. It doesn't fucking exist. And coming from Britain, where we have the National Health Service, which is a completely free, absolute universal health care right? It's absolutely free and universal. And it is incredible. You don't pay a penny, not one penny. Um, we just had this urgency, like I, I was not, I was getting unwell and um, we had to come back. So, but there was also this other weird urgency. We were like, we've got to move. We've got to move like this next six months. So we relocated. We have four animals. We relocated. Wow. We shipped all these cats in fucking crates and a dog in a crate. Um, and they they had a far far more fun time than us. They were like fucking first class. We were, and <laughs> um, moved back here. And so and so then the pandemic hit. Mm, <laughs> so every day we're like, thank God. Well now we're in like a three bedroom detached house with a huge garden backing onto a, a field. You know, like a field. Whereas in New York we were in a big one bedroom. Oh. Like, fuck me. I would. I've, I've, you know, anyway, yeah, I think of all my friends that are still in those one bedrooms. Mm. Yeah, New York is, is too crowded. Um, so how did you get into ceremonial magic? And because um, I want to get, I want to talk about Ouroboros limited editions. Yes, I'm sorry, I've spoken so much already. Um, no, this is so great. Keep doing all the talking. <laughs> Um, the ceremonial magic, well, just as I described, really. So those those various esoteric occult groups were where I first encountered ceremonial magic. And the only ceremonial magic that was really uh, available was Crowleyan, you know, Alistair Crowley's um, Crowleyan ritual magic, which is, hmm, I don't know how to best describe it. It's, it's very powerful. It can be incredibly effective. Mm. It's not the only way to do ritual magic. And I think one of the problems with problems, but one of the multiple problems of um, communities, occult communities and ritual, um, specific, specifically those around ritual magic is that there's this obsession with um, purity, right? Mm. Doing everything precisely correctly in this, in this particular, in the Western esoteric tradition connected to like, um oh anyway and, and i just think that's really fucked up and not good so that's how i i got into ritual magic and after i left these various groups i was still i still had all of this 
knowledge, of course, I'd read all of the books, was still reading all of the books, was thinking about these things and um, thought, you know, there has to be a way to create a version. Because like true, really, what is ritual magic? Ritual magic is just the very clear intention to create and to go through processes, i.e. rituals that align the subconscious with the conscious will, right? Mm -hmm. So like, that's why we do rituals is because we're going through the motions that indicate to our subconscious, oh, something is changing state here. Something different mm -hmm. is happening. We're doing something that's important. Um, and so if we take that as the, as the basis and we bring in an education of, of the various different magical correspondence. So that's one thing that I'm extremely grateful for in, in my magical education is, you know, to be an effective magical practitioner, you can't just, it's not just about, you know, having the ability to concentrate your mind on one thing to the exclusion of all else, although that is very important. But mm -hmm. in order to be an effective magical practitioner, you've got to know your correspondence, you've got to know your saints, you've got to know who and where you're getting, what you can draw upon and who you can draw upon, basically, right? Like, mm. which, herbs, which stones, which beings, which deities, which colors, which scents, which everything. Um, and if you have that knowledge or the ability to access that knowledge, I'm not saying you need to know like what every fucking crystal means, although, you know, it, it, as you go through, you know, life, you, you do collect knowledge about things, but it, it is about being able to pull these different resources and, and influences and correspondence together. Mm. And then if you can layer that on top of a tradition of magical work that has been going on for hundreds, some could say thousands of years, depending on your tradition, then, then you've got something pretty powerful there. You've got a process that you go through, which is going to have impact. It definitely will. So Ouroboros, which is the, is the, the talisman, um, business, I guess, the, 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 the being um, that I created, that I started, is uh, what well, came from this desire to create true magical talismans. So mm -hmm. talismans are sort of, um, they are uh, magical beings that are, it's like magical energy imbued into solid gold pieces. So a talisman or an amulet, they're two different things. An amulet was used to, to sort of bring in uh, good energy towards a certain thing. Talismans traditionally were like protective, so they would guard you against bad things. But really talismans are a, a, a way of harnessing specific astrological energy and, and concretizing them or crystallizing them into a physical being so mm -hmm. I was making these talismans for myself for a long time and I was like why am I not making why am I I should you know there's a fucking long ass process to make these things like this is a three hour ritual sometimes at, at very set specific times most mm -hmm. important so uh, astrologically everything has to be as uh, auspicious as it possibly can be for the intention that you have so what I mean by that is um, we create different types of talismans. So love talismans, money talismans, protection talismans. If I'm creating a money talisman, I want the astrology at the moment that I create that talisman to be absolutely as supportive and auspicious towards the gaining of wealth and money and entitlement to money as it can possibly be. Mm -hmm. um, and so what we're doing is we're really choosing, if you like, the birth date of this talisman. So you think about like, 
I mean, you know this. I'm telling you this like you don't know it. You fucking the expert. I'm just interviewing, so (laughs) I'm going to carry on. Um, So you know, like our birth chart. If you if you like a way of thinking about it, is like you are the talisman of your birth chart, right? Like I am the talisman of the moment when I was born. I.e., we are the living incarnation of where the planets were and in which you know houses at a moment of our birth so when we're creating talismans we're creating we're choosing what do we want to be like what what characteristics do we want to crystallize in and seal into this piece of gold mm-hmm. um what we do we seal particular astrological characteristics and powers including when with the ritual magic i always work with archangel michael it's one of the um powers the deities deities i don't think that we have to call them deity one of the powers that i work with and so we're crystallizing in the the incredible power of Archangel Michael, the um, energy of a very specific astrological moment into those talismans, um, and then they sell out. We 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 make like thirty at a time. We release them every two months because it's a fucking long ass process to create, find, make, clean, cleanse, produce, and then and then they sell out like five hours. They're gone. Isn't they that- are gone. No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so amazing. Well, um, one of the last um, things I wanted to talk to you about was um, maybe some of your favorite witch spells or um, tricks or hacks, life hacks. I, mean, I gave you Tinder. What else are you looking for here? I mean, that's ah! some- oh my God, that was such a great tip. Well, pe- period. I think people should check out the Ouroboros um, Instagram for some love magic tips. Yeah, love magic is extremely good also my my biggest tip really is um get boundaries like truly get boundaries i'm not just saying that because i've got a boundaries for women in business program which i've just launched today oh. but uh, well, um however like in all seriousness like everything that i have learned and got and, and survived through this whole crazy journey of being 22 years now in this in this world is that holy shit if you get nothing else get yourself some boundaries and what i mean by that is get really really clear about what you want in any situation and what you are are not prepared to put up with and stick to that trust yourself honor yourself above all else really especially if you're not a cis white man fucking prioritize yourself and prioritize your safety like truly Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means being considered rude and fuck it. I mean, I have literally got fuck politeness tattooed on my arm. <laughs> so like, I really yes. can go in the bin. And I don't mean like be rude. I mean, this concept of politeness, which is encourages women and femmes to put themselves, their physical safety at like underneath this need to be culturally acceptable. Like, fuck that. Anyway, it's not exactly. easy. And it's not always safe to like politeness and it's not always safe for everyone in every situation but if you yeah prioritize your safety and get some boundaries and also boundaries for women in business if you have a business you yes. need fucking boundaries if you charge money for anything if you're in a job you need boundaries i got you that's sign got. up <laughs> well um that's all i wanted to talk about thank you so much for coming on to my show you're gonna have to come back it was such a pleasure. This was my favorite. I know we need to, I need to come back because we need to do a review of A Dark Song because I We're need to do I, that. I just I need, need to watch it. Watch it. I need to watch it again. I'm so disappointed by the ending. I'm like, fuck that. 
Well, is there anything else that you wanted to tell the people before I um, stop recording? Um, only that I run the Spiritual Life Upgrade, which is my 12-month mentorship. If you feel like any of what I'm talking about resonates with you, or you feel, I don't know, like you just want to know more, hit me up on Instagram, because I'm always um, looking for, you know, people that are the right fit to, to join. We get applications all the time, but, you know, they're not always, they're not always from people that are, that are, that are right and we have an incredible community of you know you know these people they're just fucking amazing like brilliant yeah. kind funny self-aware you know good 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 people so if you think that's you message me on instagram and you'll probably get an automated reply that says kate doesn't check this inbox but i'm um, doing it anyway and i will reply <laughs> <laughs> yes well thank you so much such a pleasure <laughs>